0: This episode of the Get Fast podcast is brought to you by Tribello Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. You are joined as always by your hosts, former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Tribello Coaching, Jared Donnelly, and I am Jordan Donnelly. Before we get into the episode, if you want to download our expert secrets cheat sheet, There's a cheat sheet of the very best tips and advice all the professional athletes and former athletes and experts on our podcast have said to help you train smarter and race faster, go to getfastpodcast.com. Again, we have had pro athletes, former pros, Olympians, elite cyclists and triathletes and successful age groupers all come on the podcast and give their best tips to help you train smarter and race faster. So if you want to see what they all said, go to getfastpodcast.com. So, on today's episode, we have a very different type of guest. We don't have a professional athlete, not a doctor or a nutrition expert, but a man who has an inspiring story nonetheless, and is a very dear friend of Tribello, someone who's been here with us from the start, a good friend of yours, Dad, and also happens to head one of the biggest bike brands in Australia and the world, and that is Darren Rutherford from Giant Australia. Darren has been involved in bikes for over 30 years, he's worked at Giant for 25 years, now, it's no secret that Giant is a huge supporter and big sponsor of Trivelo and we are very proud to partner with them and that's because of people like Darren. So in today's episode, we are getting a behind the scenes insight to what the bike world is like from the other side of the business. Darren's story to the top of Giant is a great one. He had a vision of reinventing the Giant brand into one of the leading bike brands in the world, paving the way in research, development, technology, and most of all, value. And We can't wait for you to hear some of his, his insights onto business bike riding, and life in general. With that, we'll get into the episode. We've got Darren Rutherford on the line. Darren, welcome to the Trivelo Coaching Podcast.
1: G'day, guys. How are you going? It's, um, it wouldn't be very cold up in Belgrade South right now, would it?
2: <laughs> I think it's a balmy seven degrees. <laughs> We're both in jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really great to have you on board, mate. And uh, for those who don't know... Um, Darren very well. He's uh, he's an ex- exceptionally uh, talented man, and uh, I, I call him the Pied Piper a, a lot because uh, he, he he manages to get people to follow him. So um, so welcome, mate, on board, and uh, really just want to start off uh, the podcast by asking you what sort of a kid were you like growing up?
1: Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I, I suppose um, well, I was I was actually born in in Dandenong, and then not. Long after we actually uh, moved out to Clyde, which is a, a very small town about 60 kilometres southeast of Melbourne. And I was actually really lucky enough to have parents that um, let me pursue motocross for about uh, nine or 10 years, which were absolutely awesome years. And um, it was, you know, the people that I met um, traveling all over Victoria, and, and, and we, we actually ventured to South Australia a couple of times as well. And, and in fact, that's actually where I where I was introduced um, to sort of proper cycling um, as cross training for, for my motocross.
2: Did you have, um, uh, Darren, did you have uh, an area out the back at Clyde where you could practice the motocross? Were you on some property there?
1: Yeah, we were on
2: acreage. So I think we were on three acres um,
1: and we had a small practice track on our, our property, but it was pretty much go to Hallam or to Dandenong to actually do your proper training, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I, I was, I, as I said, I was very fortunate to have, um, generally it was my mum on, on a Wednesday would pick me up from school in Cranbourne and we drive to Dandenong straight after to school and we do a practice session. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. And, I would say, like, I really enjoyed sport, but I wasn't super competitive. Like, I was a really decent B-grade rider, and I was really happy with that, and I think my parents were as well. And I overheard my mum saying so many times, at least I know where my kid is on the weekends. Mm. And I think um, as much as it was an expensive sport, um, i you know, I'm pretty thankful that I got the opportunity, to be honest with you. Yeah.
2: And- some of those skills that you learned as a motocross rider, I can see when I see you ride the bike. Um, yeah, I don't think you've hit the deck since I've known you. Um,
0: except, Only one. Except
2: for one massive one. <laughs> just that one Just that one time. It was. It was an unfortunate one, wasn't it, in Listerfield Lake? Yeah. No good.
0: So go from there to how did you get into the bike scene from a business perspective? I know that your story, you started as a, as a bike salesman, Um, as a teenager, is that correct?
2: Yeah, just go, just go back a step there, Ruddy, to what you were doing before you ended up in a bike shop.
0: Sure. So,
1: um, I suppose, um, if, if I look at, if I look at my first, my first job in the industry was, um, with Bicycle Superstore in Dandenong. And, and it was such an amazing bike shop. Um, back there, There weren't as many bike shops as there are now. So um, it was really a true destination store. Um, It would would capture consumers from all over, like probably all the way down the peninsula, down out past Pakenham, but also um, eastern suburbs like Nunawati, et cetera, and draw, draw people out from virtually the city as well. Um, so it was really that true destination store and, and, you know, with the big bike on the roof, like every, it was, everyone really knew about it, you know? Um, and that's probably where, um, yeah, where, um, Bill Abbott, he was sort of the guy who took me under his wing and he really taught me about sales and, and the importance of a really good customer service, um, positive word of mouth and, um, you know, referred customers and then those customers you know telling their friends about it and them coming in and that that was actually a really important step for me because before that I was pretty rudderless um and he sort of he sort of put me on the track that using probably a lot of those skills that that I learned from him early on um onwards to to when I started working at Giant
2: okay so basically the feel good experience is something you've continued as a trait all through your business career, which is something that's really been a standout to me, and that was learnt really early on from Bill, wasn't it?
1: Oh, um, absolutely. I think um, I think one of the things that that he that he used to push with us is, you know, that really good customer experience. People want to come back, uh, and then they they'll ref- they'll tell their friends about it because everyone loves to 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 air their knowledge, you know, and say hey. I know this guy at the bike shop, or I know this. this. And we were really early adopters to, you know, bike shop um, rides, um, you know, weekend loops with our customers. Um, you know, the the range that they had at that store was amazing at the time. Um, and, and yeah, I think they were really the the first ones
2: to 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 step up that professionalism. Were you straight away out on the store floor, or how did how did that or out.
1: How did you so, so no, so a friend of mine actually worked at the bike store and he said to come along and, and help build some bikes in, in my spare time, which I did. And I was absolutely hopeless at it. I was just really bad. And um, and Bill said to me, look, we've got a Fox FM sale on Saturday. Um, we're light with a couple of salespeople. Can you can you come downstairs and help us? And I was really reluctant to because I was, I was pretty shy. Um, but it didn't take me long to re- work out, hey, this is actually, this is my forte. Like, this is something that I really enjoy. Um, it didn't matter if I was selling a kid's bike or, or talking to someone about mountain bikes or, or road. I, I really loved, I just loved it I, and I picked it up straight away. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's probably how it all started.
0: Awesome. So where did you go from there? What was your next step? So... Pretty much from
1: from Bicycle Superstore, uh, Giant. Giant had only pretty much started a couple of years before that, and um, I had some good connections at connections at Giant. Um, they they approached me about um, coming and joining their team, which is I was a third staff member, mm. and um, and I, I started with them. I've been at Superstore four years. What year ge- um, is this, Ruddy? Uh, nineteen ninety four. Yep. And then, yeah, I, that's when I started at um, at Giant, which was we're just pretty much straight off. I mean, I, I pretty much left Superstore, and then it was a couple of weeks later. You know, had a little break, and a couple of weeks later, started at Giant. We we're in Moravian at that stage.
2: And what was your role? What was the role you were offered from, from um, Giant? Customer service. So, so
1: we were relatively small at that stage. It was about twelve to fifteen models in our range, um, and but but the brand was growing relatively quickly. And I was pretty much customer service, supporting our our
0: reps that were on the road and, and supporting our dealer base as well. And what was your impression of the brand when you started and over those first few years?
1: Um, well,
0: as far as, far as the, the, the brand goes,
1: it was really the first, True global brand, uh, one of the first true global brands in the marketplace that offered high-end value. So, so when when I got there, they just started sponsoring the AIS Road program, and that really kicked us into gear. Like people really wanted to to get around the CFR one, CFR two, you know, those high-end and road offerings. And then and then from there, only a a short few years later. Um, the the TCR was launched, and that really really stepped us up another gear because it showed that the Giant were were innovative and that they take a chance, and uh, and that's when things really started taking off.
2: And was that was that uh, part of the global uh, direction with um, how it is now? Or was it was it was it the same then back in the you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand?
1: So so in those early days. Um, we would basically draw off the, the giant USA range. Um, and and then if we fast forward a few years, um, Taiwan then allowed us to make some uh, modifications to the, the USA range, which was really good because there are subtle differences with um, consumer needs between the, the American and the Australian market. So it was really good. like, And actually the... the the relationships we formed with Taiwan back then and are still, still go on today, you know, um, they allowed us to, to make subtle changes, whether it be colour, whether it be drivetrain. Um, and that's actually when the, the brand went up another gear again because suddenly we were doing, um, we were producing product that was really specific for our own market um, and then it made it so much more desirable.
0: And how did your personal role develop in all this, you know, starting in the bike store from Bicycle Superstore, then coming into customer relations in Giant, and then how, pretty much being the forerunner for developing Giant, how did you personally develop through that period?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've just gone 25 years at Giant in January, and I think that the thing that's kept me fresh is that my role has changed a lot over the journey, so Started in customer service, uh, and then I had four years out on the road repping. Uh, then I came inside, and I was the sales manager, and then I was promoted up to sales and marketing manager, and then onto the role that I've got um, at the moment, which I've had for eight or nine years, which is which is the GM. I think I think um, you know that having those different roles has been able to let me understand a bit different parts of the business so much better and how I'm able to support people that are currently doing those roles.
0: Perfect. So what what kind of brand would you say, if you fast forward now, have you created now, what kind of brand and company? So there's kind of two facets of that, the brand that everyone sees, but then the internals of the company that you've had a vision to create.
1: Sure. Look, I know it sounds broad, but I think it's a brand for everybody. Um we have a product map that we call Giant Cycling World and that goes across on-road, X-road and off-road and then across different price offerings as well. So er everything from recreational, sport and performance. So we're able to follow a rider's journey. So whether it's um, a a family out riding, um, enjoying outside, um, enjoying time together or commuters. So, you know, um, switching from trains, trams, buses to, to, to commuting, you know, your daily, uh, to and fro, uh, work, um, or someone is using it for sport or competition a mountain bike or road. We've, we've got a bike, um, for, for someone's journey all the way along because as your life changes, um, you, your, the, the bicycle that you require ch- changes as well, you know, um, if you're commuting, it's a flat-bar road bike. But if you're out on beach road, you know, you want to be on a TCR or Propel. So we've got the product there for you.
2: Is that a deliberate strategy that, that you thought of, that, um, you know, giving giving everybody the option to, to to go from basically little kids riding to commuting to to racing to mountain biking? You know, it, it's, it's as you said, very broad. Is that hard to manage so many different areas of uh, Product development?
1: Yeah, it's, I think that, um, I mean, the bottom line is we want to see more people on, you know, the, the more people on bikes, the better, let's mm-hmm. face it. But I think that what, what we do is you can't you can't have every different bike for every different person. So what we do is we we set up a, um, our giant cycling world. We draw up a big roadmap and we go through and look at where, where the trends are, where the sales are. Um, where the demand is, and then that we, we do have um, we do have to be careful that we're not adding too many um, too many models because then it, it all gets a bit out of control. But but what we actually um, that what we actually look for is um is is product that suits the demands of what, what consumers need. So um when I have a look at um, where we are at the moment, um you know we know that um, commuting um, is, is, is actually going really well. So we make sure that we've got product offering for that. Um, e-bike is booming at the moment. So we're making sure that we're, we're, it's, it's a fast-paced trend, that we're trying to innovate and keep up with those trends.
0: So what about internally? I think a word used associated with giant a lot and something you're very proud of is you talk about the giant family. And you've been there since the start. So how does that, how is that represented internally? And then I guess externally as well, that, that family notion of giant?
1: Sure. I, I think, um, you know, something that, that we've been impre- incredibly proud to build is, is that community. Um, it takes a really long time um, to, to build that. And, and sure, people people come and go, but it's really hard to imitate um, that true um, family feel now you know we, we set that up from from giant australia from the wholesale arm setting a, a really positive culture um we hope that flows onto the dealers and we've got really um close relationships with our dealers all around australia and new zealand and then even if you fast forward now that that real connection with consumers and you call them consumers but i like to call them riders. um I I feel as though we're with social media, we're we're closer to consumers than ever before. And those riders are actually great because they give you real-time feedback. Sometimes our dealers are reluctant to give us feedback because we're almost too close to them. But it's fantastic when you get an opportunity to talk to real consumers, real riders out there. And, and they give you that brutally honest feedback that's sometimes hard to take, but but is actually welcomed. If I, if I look at um, probably at one promotion that we did um, a few years ago, I thought worked quite well was we did there was a lot of a lot of TV advertising around the Tour de France, and we felt that it was white noise. So it was basically people saying we've got the best bike, we've got the lightest bike, we've got the stiffest bike. So we took a different approach and we did a campaign called Real Riders. Um, We partnered with Leo Burnett and um, basically um, we put it out there and said, um, you know, yep, we sponsor the world's greatest athletes, but we want to sponsor Real Riders as well. And then it was your opportunity to jump online, fill out a form on why we should sponsor you. And we got seven, just over 7,000 applicants. And then what we did is we had, had to shortlist it was which was really difficult and we had 30 winners and um and basically we'd go through and tried to make sure it was fair that we spread it all around australia but the, the the interesting thing was that we ended up giving away 42 bikes in the end because we we would ring people and and you know that we'd say hey you're a winner and and they're like, oh, awesome. My son's going to be so stoked. I don't know if you know, though, but he's a twin. And we're like, oh, well, we'd better give, away. We'd better give a second bike there. Otherwise, it's not fair. And then it was also really hard to, to stop because there were a short list of people that were going to miss out that just really, truly deserved to, to, to win. So we expand, expanded that out. And a lot of the relationships, you know, from that real riders, we're actually still connected with those consumers or riders mm. today, which is something that I'm really proud of.
0: Yeah, that is a big part of Giant is not just, you know, professional athlete sponsorship, but sponsorship, sponsoring the age groups as well. What is, what's your position and Giant's position and philosophy on sponsorship from that regard?
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because, you um, yeah, you know, obviously at a global level we have um, we always have a world tour team. So at the moment it's um, CCC, and and I think that's really important for our brand because you know we we want consumers to see that our product is is test, tested by the toughest in the toughest conditions. Mm-hmm. But I think that the local sponsorship is, is really good as well because it gives us a personality. Um, but but we also um, have people out in in the community that are like you know they're although they're ambassadors but they're like salespeople for us out um in the community um and, and that's that's been a, a really good program that we've had now for maybe 12 to 13 14 15 years um and 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 again we've we've grown and some amazing relationships with with those people and and i look at um Sponsorship, and I think sponsoring the pros is great. But sometimes the pros are uh, inaccessible. So you go to a race, and the pros have got to put their feet up, and um, they're you know they're probably not out um, talking to consumers, or or they're not at the expo booth. Whereas a lot of the age groupers, they're they're out and about, and they're 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 soaking up the vibes, and um and they're they're at expo booths and they're talking to people and i think that um they're in coaching groups and they're in training groups and if they're having a good experience with our product well they're telling their friends and then they're leveraging those friends to go in and, and purchase giants
2: well, um, it seems like there's almost two things happening here isn't it you want to you want to give the world the impression that the bike product is world class and Know, examples would be Tom Dumoulin. He wins the time trial at the World Title, and yet you still want to have the age grouper um, understanding that he's on a really good product, but but enjoying the product as well. There's there's two. There seems to be two things happening, doesn't there?
0: Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So if you look back on um, your career as Giant so far, with everything you've just said in mind. What we want to do on this podcast is we've interviewed a range of professional athletes, former athletes, even age groups as well, and we're just trying to get inside the mind of how they've been successful in their field. So, how do you think you've been successful? I think, uh, like we said before, you know, you really, you really promote the giant family and community. Um, and one of your strengths is, like Dad said at the start, is being the Pied Piper and getting people to follow your vision and getting a team working, working together on a vision. So, what is what is your? How do you? How do you make this happen? How do you make that strength of yours happen, um, and I guess be successful yeah. in your field?
1: Sure, like in business, um, it's it's all about form forming a team um, that have their own unique strength. So, um, I, I I look, um, and it's it's how we get the best out of each of those people who are all very different, but can work. Seamlessly together, so so for me, it's it's more important than ever to bring those different personality types together. So whether that be product or marketing, um, your sales team, finance, it, it all has to work um, closely aligned for for the benefit of the business. Um, if if I would to give an example, like any any um, launch of a new product. Um, you know, we, first of all, you've got the product, but then we've got to plan how we're going to tell people about it. Um, and then we have to you know, give the information to our sales team so that they are, they know what's going on. But then also we've got to have accurate forecasting so that there's that, you know, a supply demand challenge. So if everyone's off doing their own thing and disconnected, well, you're really only guessing. So, so my opinion is that you bring these different, um, these different um, you know, parts of our business together, um, get them working really closely together, and then the sky's the limit. And you know, there's always different personality types and different personalities. So that's my job to bring them together, knowing that yeah, everyone has um, different strengths. That perhaps ultimately if we work closely together it's going to be, benefit the business in the long run and, and ultimately then as well.
0: And how much time and energy do you spend working on that side? A lot. Yeah.
1: yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that that's something that's really, um, you know, if, if I look at my journey at Giant, my, my priorities have, have changed, you know, when, when I'll customer service, you know, the priority was, was giving you, you, your customers the very best level of service and making sure you're following things up. Then when you're outside, the same thing, you know, making sure that our dealers are really well supported. And then when I moved into more the product side of things, you know, identifying that, that the need for um, specific Australian um, uh, spec product was really important. And then now it's really about a team. That making sure that team's really um, cohesive um, and and working together, and just and just overseeing that. But then but then also um, not being disconnected from the real world, like making sure that um, that I'm still in really close contact with our dealers um, because a lot of them have been with with us all along the journey, and I have great res- great respect for a lot of our dealers because. Um, 30 plus of them have changed their name to be, you know, GS or Giant Location. Um, So we have a great responsibility to make sure that we're we're doing everything we can um, to make sure that the the business is humming along because our success is is their success as well.
2: There's an incredible amount of people involved in your team, um, as you've mentioned from, you know, from one area to another. Getting the right people in that team is the key thing that's going to make that function well. What are are the things you're looking at when you're deciding who should be in what position um, in your business? I think um, without sounding cocky, it probably
1: comes easy to me because I'm a people person. So I'm fairly good at at understanding people's strengths and the other thing that we've been really good at at Giant is promoting from within. So people have started at a at a base level and then their strengths, re- really the cream rises to the top. Mm-hmm. So their strengths um, are highlighted. And then if we have a particular role um, that is available, whether it's product, whether it's marketing, whether it's in our, our quality assurance, if they're suitable for that role, well... You know, we're, we're really open to promoting from within.
0: Yeah, awesome. So what are you most proud of with your career, Giant?
1: Mm, could be one. Um, what am I most proud of? Um, gee, that's a hard one. Um, I'd say... I'd say that... Um, I'd say that the the thing I'm most proud of is probably um, the people that are coming through um, behind me or beside me. Um, You know, that young, that next generation that's coming through. um, I hate to um, individualize, but, you know, people like Marty Klukas, who are our sales and marketing manager, he's not even 40 years old, but he's been in the industry, you know, he's been around bikes since he was, you know, a kid. And you, you just can't buy that experience. I think he's been with us about eighteen years. So I think the thing that I'm most proud of is to, to be inclusive um, and to bring to bring those people through. Um, I'm sort of anti tall poppy syndrome. Um, mm. I, I love seeing people do well, and I think I'm also really proud of the dealer base that we've that we've nurtured. Um, you know. It, when I when we do dealer visits and we go, go visit stores and we see that you know bicycle store going from like a hobbyist store through to being a really professional retail store, it gives me a you know gives me a pretty warm feeling because I think geez it's, um, you know we've got a lot of lot we're feeding a lot of families here um so there's a lot of responsibility but I'm definitely proud of it and, and take it really seriously.
2: With you putting so much work into it over such a long period of time, over 25 years, is one of the key things that you're trying to achieve is to get people into positions where if, if you're no longer uh, running the ship, there's, there's really strong quality people who can continue your vision uh, into the future. So the succession plan you're creating with inclusiveness of, of understanding how the whole model works, is that something that's really important to you? Yeah, well, um, the the
1: original um, our original GM Graham West, he always told me, you know, when when you employ someone, you know, you've got to employ someone who has you know um, strength, you know, strengths that that are, that are different to yours, um, and someone who's really who's who's really ambitious and, and wants to do the right thing by the company, and and that's what we've always done because. They're the people that get things done, and you don't have to micromanage those people. You can you can give them some direction and then let them go with it, uh, let them go for it, you know. And I'm I'm really old school. Like I've I've still got a I've still got a diary um, that I, I write things down in and highlight when they're done. Um, and, and to be honest with you, um, you know the, that crew that's coming through now. Um, they're so much. Uh, they so much more digital savvy than what I am. Believe me.
0: <laughs> Sounds like me with dad. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
0: I resemble that. <laughs> yeah. So on the flip side of the coin, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced? Yeah. Um, challenges. I, I would say.
1: I would say time management, because there's only so many hours in the day. So. So I suppose echoing a little bit of what I said before is is you've only got a limited amount of time, so making sure you em- employ the right people in the right roles, um, so that it's not a babysitting service, um, and then then prioritising what's important in the day. So making sure that that you're that you're meeting with different department heads, um, that you that you're still um, still in the real world, you know, talking to to dealers. Um, and I think that the, the big thing um, from that is I'm always trying to stay present in what's happening in whatever particular meeting I'm in. So, so you know, I'm, I'm never a fan of one of those guys that's got their phone next to them and it's always lighting up and, you know, and they're only kind of like 70% in the room. I like to be that person who, if I'm meeting with you, I'm here, I'm in the room, I'm focused mm. um, and then I can make notes and I'm kind of famous for making notes and then putting in my, my diary later on um, so that so that the person that I'm with feels respected and feels like, hey, I'm, I'm getting Darren's time at the moment um, and, he's, and he's getting what I'm talking about and then they can get on with their job and, and I try and do that at home as well. Like, when I get home, I try and put the phone down, engage with, with Soph, um, play with Pip, um, whatever I'm doing at that, that particular time. Instead of kind of like being home, but your you mind's half at the office, or if you're, or if you're at home, your mind's half at, at home. Um, and that, that's kind of what I try and do anyway.
0: Absolutely. So on a more personal level, what does riding a bike mean to you?
1: What does riding a bike mean to me? Um, I think I think if you, you go back to a, a really early age, like let's go back oh, 49 years. Um, I think going back to a really early age, I think your bike is your first bike is your freedom machine. So it's like I was really fortunate that when I was growing up, that was the, the 80s and it was that BMX boom. Um, we had a lot of tracks around near where I lived. So it was that connection with your mates. Um, and, you know, you had that, those boundaries that you could, you could go. Um, if I fast forward now, it's actually, um, you know, everyone has busy lives with their family or with their work. Um, and, and I look at it as my, as pretty much my uh, fitness tool, um, but also mental health um, benefits as well. Because, you know, if I look at our Saturday morning ride, it's a great workout but it also keeps us really well connect, connected and, you know, like discussions and business are sometimes face-to-face, but they're also side-by-side as well. And, and I tend to find, you know, when you get out on the bike, people want to have a chat, um, as long as it's not too much about work, but, um, <laughs> but people want to have a chat. And our Saturday group can be like 12 to 18 people. And then if we've got, you know, we'll have people that will come and go, um, people from interstate, if they're from they're in town, they'll jump in the bunch, and I think it's just really a good connector. And I, and I find, you know, my I've got different rides that I do during the week, but it, that Saturday morning is like a great setup to my weekend. It's like you're up nice and early, have a coffee, um, stretch the legs, um, do a few turns in the bunch, and then it sets up your weekend. You know, fr- from there. I think, unfortunately, I. I used to really like golf, but I think I probably like the accessories more about golf and, <laughs> and dressing up in yellow pants. But I think I also love that about bikes as well over the journey, just, um, you know, putting cool things on your bikes or the latest technology and um, like now wearing different kits um, and the, the progression with, you know, with trends and things like that. I think I really I get into that pretty much as well.
2: It's uh... It's so true what you say about, um, you know, that bike means so much more than just riding it. It's, uh, it's all the other interactions. And it's been a pretty tough period, as we all know, right at this particular time. have you? Yeah. Has, it, has it impacted you? Have you felt the, the lack of socialisation on the Saturday ride? Has that affected your state of mind? And how, how have you coped yeah. with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, that um, wh- when we... When, when this happened, um, you know I, I, I really sat down and said, okay, I need to I need to still structure some riding. So I I have a Watt bike at home, so I jump on that a couple of times a week. But it's really just a, a half an hour um, stretch of the legs. And then on the weekend, I'll do a ride where I'll I'll ride to a coffee shop um, on say the Saturday morning and then Sunday morning. I've actually been chucking the, the headphones in and jumping on a bike path and doing a big sort of 90-minute loop, um, which I've really enjoyed, actually. And sort of above and beyond that, I, uh, just a little mental health ride where when I'm leaving the office every day, I'll, I'll head home, um, I'll just jump on my mountain bike. Um, it's got lights on the back and front, and I'll just do a little roll, maybe five to eight kilometres, um, just along the beach path. And I feel that it's just at the moment with the pressure um, and and what's happening in you know, in the community, it's a really great way just to wash the day off, and then and say okay, now let's hit a reset, organize some dinner, um, and, and then and maybe watch a couple of a bit of Netflix. It's uh
2: it's really great hearing um, the way you go about things both as a personal uh, um, writer and as a as a business. Um, in one of the biggest bike brands in the world it it, the structure seems to come through to me loud and clear you've got your strategies and and you put put that in in your structures of a daily hourly almost minute by minute it's something that all the listeners who are really uh, faced with the same issues every day at work with trying to deal with their family um, their work situation and of course um, how how they can keep their health and fitness going and and I think the lessons you've been telling us about um, how you've managed to do this and do it very successfully, um, would, would structure be one of the key things that you think enabled you to to fulfil a lot of your, your goals and ambitions?
1: Yeah, definitely. But it's taken me a long time to, to get there because, you know, through different roles um, that I had at, at Giant, some, sometimes, um, you know, it's hard to structure up because there's, it's quite dynamic and things are changing all the time. Whereas probably now in my role, it is a lot more structured because, you know, we're, we're working sometimes 18 months, two years ahead of what's happening, um, you know, our marketing programs and, and so on. We're working o- almost a calendar year in, in advance, which is what, what you need to do. You need to be, you, know, you have to be ahead of it and you need to be organized. So, so I think that's something that, that is super important. Um, I've never been an athlete in any um, description at all, but I'd imagine that's I- exactly what they have to do is, um, you know, they, they need to prepare. If you're doing Ironman um, run I mean, the, the day before, it should be just everything set um, and you're ready to go. And that is that, you know, you've done all the hard work up to there. And I don't mean just the training, but, you know, that your bike is, um, service ready to go, that your, your wetsuit's ready to go, that, you know, you've got, I mean, even the smallest thing like that, you, your tires are, you know, you've got a foot pump to, to get your tires to the exact pressure on the morning, you've got someone to give your pump to. Um, I think you, if you've got to be super organized, then, then it's not going to, you're not going to have any guesswork on the day. And I think that's what I try and avoid is any big shocks. So if we're prepared from every different angle
2: of the business, well, there's no. it takes out a lot of the guesswork. Yeah, it's such a great feeling, isn't it? Uh, Getting the example you're using, getting to the race, looking back going, I think I've got a really good plan in place. I've done all the preparation. And it's no, no different to what you're experiencing in your business. Is there anybody in particular who has been a role model to you that you've kind of looked up to and thought, far out, that guy's a real a real leader and is it and in that same sentence is there a mentor that you have used over the years it's an interesting question because i i wouldn't say that um that
1: there is any one particular person that i'd say hey look i really want to model myself off off that person because i think you've got to have your own individual um person you to bring your own individual personality to things But there's definitely lots, lots of different people who I pull a little bit, um, a a little bit of what they do. I know that um, that Graham West, who was our original um, GM, was an amazing influence on me because it doesn't happen very often that someone pulls you aside and says, "Hey, um, we're grooming you for this role." Um, and then this is, these are the steps that you, this is where you need to be, these are the steps you need to take. And you're like, wow, this, this is pretty serious now, you know. So then you, um, you, you have to gear up for that. Was that and, a turning a, point for you, Buddy? Yeah, oh, definitely, for, sh- for sure. And, and I'm a big believer in act as if. So um, act as if you are being groomed to be the GM. So if, you're, if you act in that way, well, the outcome is 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 going to be desire hopefully becomes reality. But if you act as if um, you just a clown, well, that that's the outcome um, ultimately. So, so I think Graham West was a, a really big influence, and then through through the journey, lots of lots of other people where. I look at them and say, I really like the way they do that, or I like the way they 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 carry themselves there, you know. And um, and if, I think if you, I don't ever think it's one particular person, but if you can draw off lots of different people, um, their strengths, then it's only going to put you in an advantage.
0: Absolutely, I love that. So so, what's next for you? What what are your next goals in the, over the next period?
1: Lunch, I reckon. It, no. <laughs> Um I think um for me um uh, obviously post um COVID nineteen is, is to come out for the brand to come out the other side of this um stronger. And I think, you know, the short term goal is gonna be to for myself um to, to get really actively involved with um getting around our dealers um and, and making sure they're okay, um, support them as much as I can. Um, make sure that that we um, where we're, we've got some really good um, marketing and promotional tools that we've got some really good product um, innovative product coming their way so that they can they can come out of this you know um, I think that um, it's also a good opportunity for me uh, to, to look at every part of our business at the moment um, and there might be certain parts of the business that we can reboot or we can, we can change or alter
2: um so that we for constant ch- uh, for constant improvement and i think that that's that's really important is there any standout thing that uh due to the the virus has changed a lot of the workplace uh, situations for many people across the world is is there any standout thing that you would do differently due to the virus uh uh exposing that that that's a flaw in in the way you've been doing things is there anything that stands out to you you know it's it's been interesting the last eight weeks. It, things
1: change, have changed so dramatically, and, and it's been—it's really been a roller coaster ride because we went from thinking business is going to r- really flatline to to then not being able to keep up because you know people people were reluctant to get on public transport, gyms closed, um, people wanted to get outside with their family. So all of a sudden, we saw a, a mini boom there. Um, of, of recreational sport level bikes I, I don't think I would have done anything differently because Jerry I think that you can only act on the information you've got at the time and try and make the best decision so to be uh, what I call that hindsight analyst expert which is Monday's expert it, it's it's really hard but but certainly during it um, I you, you, we can learn from it about about moving forward. Well, one of the one of the things that I really want to uh, work on as we come out of this is how do we change um, how do we change the the perception with the Australian public that instead of taking your car um, for a, a six kilometre trip with your family. To lunch or to soccer practice or footy or whatever it might be, how can, Why couldn't that be on a bicycle? Because it seems like people are enjoying getting outside. Mm. Um, to me, um, how can you in, instead of getting the tram to work, ride a bicycle? And I think that there's, there's two ways we can do that. And that is, there's a really gate, a really great gateway product now, which is e-bikes. Mm. So. The number one concern concern with most commuters is, oh, you know, I don't want to get to work all sweaty. Um, I live in a hilly area, um, so we can actually remove those and say, okay, well, here's an e bike. Um, you can actually wear a suit on this bike, get to work, sweat free. Probably don't even need to have a shower. And I think if we can if we can get out there and sell the the virtues on buying a better bike, um, maybe we can transition people a few more people out of cars and and onto bicycles.
0: I think you're absolutely spot on there, especially what you touched on earlier with seeing a bike ride when you get home from work, or even if it's a, if it's a run or a ride for some people, we've seen in this isolation period, I mean, Strava has gone through the roof with the amount of sign ups it's been having. People are turning to exercise as a form of relief and mental health relief and that should hopefully continue even once the virus is over, and hopefully, like you're saying, we can see less cars on the road and more bikes. Um, I think your, your an insight into your mindset has been so valuable because what you touched on with the organisational thing. It's funny that we do you know podcast episodes and videos on exactly what you said the day before your race. Why aren't you getting organised? You know, and it comes naturally to someone like you. That's just your mindset. But and you're saying, of course, you should have your bike serviced and all your gear laid out. But um, you know, Dad, for a lot of people, you're consistently reminding them that they have to do that because they're so focused on the race. Their their mindset just isn't there. I would ask yeah. you as a final question, Ruddy, to finish yourself. What is a life lesson uh, that you have learned, or a piece of advice that you would like to pass on to others? Um
1: interesting question
0: um well
1: i think i think that the what what i would say to, to people coming up if if you if in business or even it to to um translate through to, to athletes as well is do the extras so I don't actually mean you don't have to be the first one into the office and you don't need to be the last one to leave. But but what I mean by that is, um, you know, look for opportunity. So, so if I look at it in, in a, a business sense, you know, if you're, if you're working for a company and there's an event on, go. Um, if there's a trade show on, go, get involved. Um, if there's a demo day, put your hand up and say, oh, I really want to help, you know, because, you know, if there's a promotion or if there's, you know, if there's an opportunity in the future, people know that you're, that you're a goer. People know that, that you're keen and you become a natural choice. And, and maybe that's the same for athletes as well. And, and maybe when I say do extras, well, I'm sure Jerry sets up a program and says, this is what I want you to do. And that doesn't necessarily mean run 5Ks longer. But what it means is, you know, maybe um, there's work to be done outside of just that running and riding, which is, you know, making sure that you're stretching, um, making sure that um, the product that you've got is serviced and and running well, because there's nothing worse than Jerry saying, okay, I want you to, to ride to Mount Eliza and back. And, you know, you've got, um, perish tires so you're, you, you're calling an Uber um, I think it's my advice would be do the extras um, no one's going to get in trouble for, for wanting to, to put their hand up and, and help more um, you know and I think sometimes people feel as though that they're that it, they'll, they'll get passed over or that no one notices but what I can tell you is um, you know, from from our business we know the people doing the extras and we know the people that are that are that are presenting um and because we think so long term we identify them and say hmm i think he or she would be really good for that role
2: in the future because things change really quickly Uh, unbelievably spot on there and there's so many things you've just said in the last five minutes that uh, resonate um, not only with athletes but you know for people in general and um, uh, it's it's unbelievably uh, good value to hear how if we're talking about an athlete trying to do the extras is so so spot on we we really encourage all of our guys you know just doing extra volume is is people sometimes think that's the way around it but it's not it's it's actually doing extra stuff that's quality rather than and, and specific to what your improvements about rather than you know spending another six hours on the bike just aimlessly riding that that's not what we're about and and you, you've hit the nail on the head with with that last summary i think uh, so yeah
0: cool well, thanks very much for joining us, Roddy. We've really appreciated you having on here. We've loved having your insight, as Dad just said. Um, we, Yeah, we really appreciate everything you've just said so far, and um, thanks for coming on.
1: No worries, guys. Have a great day. I think it'll um, probably snow a little bit later on in Belgrade <laughs> now.
0: <laughs> Literally almost. I think it's a top of seven tomorrow or something ridiculous. So. Yeah. Have a great day, guys. Thanks, thanks for Ruddy. having me
1: on. Good
2: to talk.
0: Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go and leave a review. It really does help us and helps other people find the show. Uh, So if you enjoyed it, please go leave a review on any podcasting app and definitely tell your friends, uh, let them know about the podcast. If you think there's any triathletes or cyclists that could use some value from this Um, and let us know where you listen to the podcast. We get some people taking photos on their ergo bikes on the indoors uh, or while they're on a walk or at work or something. So, Let us know, take a photo and post it to Instagram and tag Traveler Coaching so we can see where you're listening. That's it from us today. Again, if you want to download our Expert Secrets Cheat Sheet, go to getfastpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.